Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chats with Chelsea. Today is special as I look around. I am the only one here today. Yes, it will just be a conversation between me and you today. Today is a very special day for me. It is the one year anniversary from my bicycle accident. Yes, April 28, 2018. I will say my life was forever changed. Uh, it was the first time I had been in an ambulance, the first time uh, in the emergency room. So many firsts. But for those who may not know what happened, let me share what happened. And then I'm going to share with you some of the lessons I've learned uh, throughout this past year and how my life has been changed uh, as a result of the accident, both mentally, emotionally, and physically. So last year, April 28th was a Saturday, and my husband John had planned an entire weekend of events because our wedding anniversary is April 30th. And so the first outing was electric bikes on the Capitol Trail here in Richmond. So I was excited. I've grown up riding bikes. Um, my father raced bikes. So I've been around bikes, dirt bikes, motorcycles, four wheelers. I've done them all and, you know, never been seriously injured. You know, so never thought that <laughs> how the adventure started would drastically change at the end. And so we went, uh, picked out our electric bikes uh, down at the shop in um, Richmond near the Capitol Trail. And um, I, I remember one of the moments I remember vividly, I didn't know how important it would be later, is that I picked a helmet and... Okay, it wasn't super flattering on me. And I remember John saying, just put the helmet on and let's go, okay? Because someone was waiting to guide us through to show us how to operate the bicycles and kind of guide us to the beginning of the trail. And so I put it on, but I, in my mind, it's like, this is our anniversary weekend. I'm going to want to take pictures when we stop. Um, and I don't like my helmet. John, if any of you all know John, he's super laid back and he's, it's, he was just like, listen, put the helmet on, let's go. So I grabbed the helmet. Um, I still tried to uh, get away without wearing a helmet because I said, the helmet's tight. He was like, put the helmet on. So we're on the Capitol Trail, um, enjoying ourselves, seeing the scenery. Um, if you've never ridden a electric bike, let me let you know that it's basically a smaller version of a motorcycle. The ones we were on went up to about 21 miles per hour. Uh, and so we rode probably for an hour. Uh, we actually got outside the city limits and um, But it was kind of we didn't we really didn't have the opportunity to go full speed because as you can imagine It was a Saturday morning and so there were families and kids walking and riding and so um, Still amazing to see the view we were even able we stopped and saw some new uh, housing development that's in the area toward that like we really were enjoying our time on the Capitol Trail and everything that it had to offer well on the way back is when things uh, took a turn for the worse and so as I was sharing we had kind of we really didn't have a chance to really test out the speed um, and both John and I like speed and so it was okay so we saw this patch of where there were no kids no family no other bikers no walkers no one 
And so we went full speed. Um, and <laughs> fun, amazing. And then this moment happened that as we had just went around a little curvy area and I found myself going down this hill still about between 15 and 21 miles per hour is what the speedometer said. And I fell off the bike. And I happened to fall to my right. I always joke with myself because I said, if I would have fell to the left, there was grass, but I didn't. I fell to the right. And so when I fell, what I remember is coming to and barely being able to breathe. Thankfully, John heard me fall. There were two bikers who were near, who saw the fall, who came to help. Um, I literally was having trouble breathing. And there are so many different thoughts that went through my mind in that moment, like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? I looked down, I saw blood on the sidewalk. Um, I had bruised my uh, right side of my face, busted literally a hole through my lip. Um, and at that time, I just knew I was in a pain and in a panic, uh, but in pain that I'd never experienced before. I mean, my entire body was aching, but it was really, really difficult to, to breathe. And I knew something was going on with my face due to the blood on the sidewalk. Of course, I didn't know the severity of it until I got to the ER and um, the several stitches that had to be placed both outside and inside. Um, the doctor who came in, he said, you know, I typically don't like to put stitches on the inside because if you close it up too much, it can cause infection. So he's stitching up the outside. And then all of a sudden he said, well, you know, think we should go ahead and stitch up the inside because of the severity of how much you busted your lips. So that was very interesting. But back to the sidewalk. So there I am. There are two bikers there. John's called the ambulance. It was my first time ever in an ambulance. So I'm already panicking. And initially they were not sure if the paramedics were not sure if I had broken my sternum because it was really, really difficult to breathe. Like I could barely breathe. Um, and so there I was in the ambulance and it was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? What has happened? So we got to the ER, my first time in the emergency room, you know, like going through the doors where they're there to help you. And you know, everything was in pain and I had bruised um, the right side of my body. So my face, um, you can see here, I still have part of the bruising here, still have a bruise here. It was, you know, along the right side because that's where I fell. So they were checking to see, oh my gosh, did she break her sternum? Because again, that's what the paramedics thought. Well, thankfully they did a CAT scan because my rib cage was totally fine. But what had happened was I had lacerated my liver. And not only had I lacerated, bruised my liver, but it was considered a grade four liver laceration. At that time, I had no idea what the grades meant. I had no idea what this even meant. Um, and it was so shocking to me because I was in no pain um, in my liver area. And so there I was, John was there with me every step of the way, making sure he understood everything because there were moments where I was in so much pain. It was just 
it was like, oh my, you know, like just like I, I'm, I'm just trying to uh, process everything that's happened from the accident, from the fall, uh, you know, to the fact of where I am, and this is not how our weekend was supposed to go, but life happens. Um, and so I was in the ICU for a few days because of the liver laceration. They showed me um, a scan of my liver and I had bruised a good portion of it. And so um, I was required to stay in the ICU for about three days because they had to do another scan about 72 hours later. Um, there in the ICU, it was, it was a lot. I was in, still in so much pain. Um, I remember they checked like my blood count or whatever they checked the first night and it had actually dipped a little bit, um, by a point. And, you know, the nurse who checked it, she said, you know, not overly concerned, but just a little concerned because you just had an accident and your count has decreased, you know, one point. And so it was like, oh my gosh, if you've ever been in the ICU, you know, they come in like every seems like every five minutes to check on you uh, which is great but you really can't sleep and so there I was my first night it's like oh my gosh is there more you know because with the grade four laceration next stage is grade five you know did you um you know is your liver bleeding and so that was the main question that they were trying to figure out I am so grateful for each of you who prayed for me called me text me during that time, I truly believe the prayers of the righteous avail much um, because as my journey of healing continued, I am grateful that I sit here today, um, that I'm alive. You know, they didn't know if I was going to have to have physical therapy for, you know, my shoulder and then my ankle because a few days after being in the hospital, my ankle and I didn't have to have any of that. Um, have there been pains and different things along the journey? Yes. Um, but I truly believe that those of you who prayed for me, prayed with me, you helped me in this journey because also I had a mild concussion. Also, my helmet literally cracked from the fall. And so I think of back to that moment as I was sharing with you where I was all into me looking cute for pictures and being cute on this bike ride of me not almost wearing a helmet because it didn't look as flattering and I don't know what my story would have been if I did not have that helmet on and even the medical professions um, said that um, they're not sure what that would have looked like. Um, they're not sure that how, you know, I lacerated my liver so much and there were other broken bones and things. And I can only say, but God, when I think about my healing journey physically, I can only say, but God, and thank you for your prayers. So I want to share with you three lessons I learned. So I have some notes because I want to ensure that I'm able to share with you with depth and authenticity, uh, some of the lessons I've learned. And I know God is doing something on the inside of me. I know God is doing something in my life. And so when he says to share, I'm sharing. And when there are things that he's sharing with me to hold on to, um, I'm trusting him in that, uh, which can be a challenge. And so 
for those of you who have been following me who are part of the Life of Chelsea community, the Chats with Chelsea community, um, I want to say and start off with these three lessons and say there are more to come, yet these are three that have worked deeply into the innermost of my soul and my heart that I can share with you. And my hope is that you will be encouraged, you'll be inspired, but more importantly, you will be challenged. Um, I believe in challenging those of you in the community because I don't want us to live a life of status quo. I believe that God has called us to excellence. I believe that God has called us to live a life that live our lives well um, and to live out the purposes that he's given us. So first lesson I learned in the ICU was the brevity of life. What if I hadn't had my helmet on? As I laid on the concrete, barely being able to breathe, I thought, oh my gosh, am I going to survive? Those thoughts came to my mind because for me, I never experienced a fall or anything that traumatic ever physically in my life. I've never broken a bone. Um, I visit the hospital, but I've never been in the hospital. I've never been in the ambulance. I've never been in the emergency room as the patient. And so all these things had a impact on me. The fall itself, for moments it was, is this real? Is this pain I'm feeling real? What has happened? What is going to happen? Am I going to be able to breathe? And so in those moments of the fall, the ambulance ride in the ICU, I was faced with, what is my legacy? Uh, how has my life mattered? Um, you know, one of the things they share with, they shared with John and I is that if, if my liver was bleeding, that may have required surgery. Um, I've never had a surgery like that before. Uh, what would that mean what and so all these thoughts are going through my mind and it's oh my gosh has my life counted has my life mattered what is it in my life has I, have I put my focus on have I been obedient to God these questions were in my mind and they were real questions I didn't have all the answers but I knew that I had to pay attention to the questions that were going through my mind. I had to pay attention to how I was feeling, acknowledge how I was feeling, and work through those feelings and those thoughts. And again, I'm grateful for my husband who was literally there every step of the way. First two nights he slept there in the, ho uh, not in the hospital, um, you know, just to be by my side. And... I just, I just wonder, have, had I spent the first 29 years of my life focused on what it was that God had called me to focus on? Had I, how had I treated people? How had I treated myself? And so when I think about that it leads me to the second lesson I learned is that the power of forgiveness 
and it's not all about forgiving others but it was also about forgiving myself as well I realized I had formed some um, barriers around my heart uh, I had experienced some deep hurt and there were things that had happened 20 years prior in my life that I still was holding on to holding on to things from my childhood holding on to things from just a few years prior I was holding on to um, broken relationships to ended relationships I was holding on to a lot of what-ifs and it was truly bondage as many of you know I moved to Virginia three years ago I moved here to marry John which is one of the best decisions of my life after accepting Christ yet the journey wasn't easy and in that I was as a high achiever a type A I was really hard on myself moving here starting over that I didn't give myself grace I didn't give myself in the beginning time to learn I expected subconsciously that I would literally move from one state to another uproot my entire life start completely over and everything would just be fine and it wasn't not only did I move my entire life here for my handsome husband but we were newlyweds and still are um, and he's a pastor you know and so my church was already chosen for me but my mindset put me in a place where there was there were feelings, negative feelings, um, and some that were just directed at me at why, why is life not going the way that it should? Why is life, why is life hard like this, right? Why are there so many unknowns? Why do I feel as if I don't belong? And those are all feelings I felt, um, probably like my first two years here in Virginia it's been in the last year that I have come to find Chelsea Bennett um, I left Chelsea Henry in Florida Chelsea Bennett is here and it took time and this accident exposed the depths of unforgiveness in my heart bitterness in my heart uh, and unrealistic expectations I put myself in a box you know, partly I think I lived in the box because one, I grew up in the urban core and I knew that I had a responsibility to be an example. Or let me say I felt that way because again, another maybe um, unset pressure or expectation I put on myself. Uh, between my three, my three parents, I have eight younger siblings and so there was this, you know, unset pressure to do well, to be an example to them. And so I had family. It was those around me, you know, who saw something in me, uh, leadership, the ability to speak up for others. And so I felt that pressure. Um, and it was a very real pressure. I may not have talked about it, but on the inside it was, Chelsea has to be the best. Um, and that pressure continued to grow throughout my life because I realized that sometimes I was the best in my atmosphere, in my current environment, 
Yet when I was exposed to other environments, I realized that there was so much more to go, to learn, um, so much more to experience, to live, to be exposed to. And so the pressure increased of being the best because it wasn't just being the best in my environment and those who um, grew up like me and looked like me, but it became how do I become the best in this other world that I wasn't exposed to on Moncrief and West 23rd that I wasn't exposed to off of Macduff Avenue when I visited my father and my grandmother. And so those experiences as a child, as a teenager, they affected me. And even as an adult, as a married woman, as a pastor's wife, and how I interpreted those um, situations and how I perceive some of those situations because my perception was not always right in those circumstances and and in that it just came to this place where I had to accept I had to forgive others um, there were people there have been people in my life very close to me people who I believe should have protected me should have nurtured me who hurt me deeply and it's taken me years to forgive them or in some instances I would find myself forgiving them and then maybe like a month later, I would remember something that they had done or they would do something else. And the bitterness uh, would come back. The unforgiveness would come back. And uh, God has forgiven me. And so I am required to forgive others. And there's no, there's no variables around that. We are called to forgive. And being married to John... He has helped me to break free from the bondage of victimhood, right? Yes, there were things done to me. Um, yes, there were things that should not have been done to me or things I should not have been exposed to as a child or required to do. Um, but I can't go back and change that. Yet I am an adult. I am an adult. I'm an adult who's married, who's living um, and has created a life of my own and so I cannot continue to live in the past and so with that I've had to forgive and I've had to forgive continuously I've had to forgive folks even when I may be talking to them or looking at them straight in the face it's I have had to forgive and constantly forgive and so I've accepted the power of forgiveness is that it's a journey um, with my type A-ness, I like to do something, get it done, and be done. But that's not how forgiveness works. And in our spiritual lives, you know, everything is just not one and done. There's some things that we will continue to struggle through, uh, strive to be more like Christ, but it will take a daily effort from us. And for me, I continue to work through the area of forgiveness in my life towards others and towards um, myself because I want to be all that God's called me to be. I want to live the life that he has called me to in reaching people and helping people and serving people. But in that, I have to accept his grace for my life as well as give it to, uh, to others. And when I say I forgive someone, it doesn't mean that I won't have to forgive them again. But I, I, Chelsea, have to mean it because otherwise, unforgiveness, and John has a quote about this somewhere, but unforgiveness, it poisons me. 
the other person is out there living their life, they may be living their best life, some of them, because they don't even know that they did something to you or they may not even care. And so I have found that it's been freeing. Of, it doesn't necessarily erase the experience or the thoughts that I've had towards that person, but deciding in my heart, I forgive them. They may, some people have never apologized. They may never apologize to me and you, but guess what? I forgive them. The other reality that has come to me, again, thank you to my husband, John, for helping me work through this mentally and emotionally, is that there are some people who have hurt you, who have hurt me, and they're hurting so deeply that they don't even realize that they've hurt you or how much they've hurt you. Um, I think about this quote that I've seen on um, Instagram and it's about, you know, us when we are broken, we're like broken glass. And so those sharp edges cut anyone who we come in contact with. And so I thought about that in some of the situations in my life for people who've hurt me. And then guess what, y'all? I've had to think about that in my life. Where are my sharp edges? Where am I not all mended together? Where I have hurt other people in their lives and I've had to do some apologizing um, some of the apologizing has resulted in continued relationship in others it hasn't um, and I've had to grieve friendships relationships yet be honest with myself about the fact that I hurt them and they may not really care about why I hurt them but I've had to be honest with why that I have hurt them and then spend some time with Jesus and talking to folks about why did I act that way? Why did I react in that way? Why was that my response? Why didn't I notice the depths of pain that I was causing someone else? And oftentimes it was because I myself was broken with sharp edges. And so it's not an excuse. It's a revelation. And so I continue to adjust. I continue to be open uh, because there have been also instances where I didn't even realize that maybe I had offended or hurt someone and being woman enough to say, okay, I apologize. I did not mean to do that. Will you forgive me? And so the power of forgiveness has just been a thread in my life over this past uh, year for me. And the journey continues. The journey hasn't been um, an easy one. Yet the question that comes to mind is, am I willing to poison myself? Is holding bitterness worth it? And uh, because of the pain, the um, effect that bitterness has had on me mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, I recall as a child, there were many, there was a season where my hair was falling out. I was having all these different issues, stomach issues, and the doctors couldn't pinpoint it. And I truly believe when I look back, it was because of stress and bitterness in my heart because there was so much bitterness I had um, towards folks that it was literally eating me alive. Literally eating me alive. The third lesson that I'll leave with you, um, it's another one that I continue to work through. <laughs> if you know me, <laughs> you may laugh when you hear this, but... Lesson three, and this is kind of what I've learned throughout this year, has been I don't have to have it all together. As I shared with you, there's been some unsaid pressures in my life 
Um, there's been pressures I put on myself and there's been pressures that other people and expectations that other people have put on me. And I own those expectations as a young elected official. I believe I was 22 and I thought I had to have it all together. I found myself, you know, in the room with elected and politicals who had been in the political game for 20, 30, 40 years. And some way in my mind, I don't know where the logic was. I thought that I had to be just like them and be on point and know such and such and this and that. And, and this is just one of the examples of where I've realized I don't have to have it all together and how I place myself in a box. But it was, oh my gosh, I'm 22. I'm, yes, I may be the, one of the youngest people in this crowd, but some of, you know, but the people who were around me, they've been doing this for 20, 40 years. And one time, one of my mentors in Jacksonville, he sat down with me. He said, you know, Chelsea, you have a great future ahead. But one of the things that I noticed is that you try to be like those of us who are, he was 40 years older than me, very successful, very successful fundraiser throughout the entire country. And he said, you have so many great things going for you. Enjoy the journey. Where I am today has been a journey. Um, and that stuck with me because it was like, wow. You know, not only is this something that is there, but it's something that's noticed by others. And so I remember that. Yet in this past year, it has been even more at the forefront of my mind because as I settle into this new state, this new city, this new life um, of mine as a married woman, as a pastor's wife, as a podcast host, um, as a nonprofit founder, as someone involved in ministry, it is Chelsea. You do not have to have it all together. Excellence will always be my standard um, with no excuses. Um, it will always be the standard. But I can't confuse that with perfection. Because when I confuse that with perfection, then I paralyze myself because there are going to be mistakes that I'm going to make. I had a mentor tell me, remind me, uh, probably about a week ago, and it was... Don't be afraid to call on people for help because the people you have around you who are 15, 20 years your elder, they've been through things and seen things that you just have not seen and been exposed to. And there's no slight to you. It's just how life works. And so, again, I've been faced with, I don't have to have it all together. Now, does that mean that I'm not going to uh, plan, strategize, use wisdom, talk to mentors, talk to folks that are a part of my board of advisors. No, but it does mean that when I make a mistake, I am learning that it's not the end of the world. I am learning that when I just don't know something, even if others expect it for me to know it, that I'm okay saying, listen, I am Chelsea Bennett and I and flattered that you thought that I knew that. Yes, I have a JD. Uh, yes, I've done this, I've done that. But I have not been exposed to that or I don't know that. And so please tell me more. Me saying those words like, 
two years ago was completely frightening. But I'm okay. I don't have to know it all. I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to be, appear perfect. One of the things that ministry teaches me, which sometimes can be the opposite in politics, is vulnerability, authenticity, blesses folks. And it's not that I'm going to share all my, uh, my mistakes and failures with folks, yet what is the blessing is that people see that as Christians, as a pastor's wife, um, I make mistakes. And I can own up to my mistakes and I can do better. That's what draws people to Christ. And so I sit here today physically better from my accident. Um, my lip has healed, um, which is amazing because I definitely didn't know. We didn't know how it was going to heal, actually. Um, there were some issues initially when it was healing, but uh, it is healed. And uh, the other bruising on my face that was here has healed. Um, my hands is healed. My shoulders healed. You still can see the spot, you know, but I'm healed. And that experience of falling off that bike, which is one of the most, if not the most traumatic experience of my life has allowed me to dig deeper, has drawn me closer to Christ, has drawn me closer to my husband, and has freed me from pressures and expectations that God never intended for me to own. And so I just want to encourage anyone who's listening my sister, my friend, a sister friend. You don't have to allow a traumatic experience to happen in your life to dig deeper, to allow God to minister to your heart, to allow God to show you where you need to grow. For me, I did have a traumatic experience. If it wasn't for those two weeks in the bed where I could barely move for the first week, um, and I was just... It was literally me and Jesus in our bedroom. Because um, sometimes you can only watch so much TV, you know. And so it was in those moments that I felt God doing surgery on my heart. And there's still more. Listen, I am not perfect. Nowhere near perfect. Um, you know, I believe Philippians 1 and 6 that he's going to continue to do a work in me until he comes. And so... Do the hard work. Do the hard work. Because you deserve to be free, to experience freedom. You deserve to be whole, healed, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, and you can be. You can be. So I'm praying for you. Um, I ask that you continue to pray for me on my journey as I continue to walk through forgiveness. Uh, as I continue to walk through being all that God has called me to do and not being a perfectionist and not putting that unsaid, not putting that expectation, that burden on me and on others, right? A lot of my reflection has not only been about me, but also how I have imposed these unrealistic, unrealistic expectations on others. And so 
do the hard work. Do the hard work. Um, I thank each of you who have been with me um, over the past year. There's friends who, you know, have continued to check on me. There's friends who visited me in the hospital, brought me food, came to the house. Sent, some of you sent text messages, calls, emails, cards. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me that in the midst of a difficult situation that I have friends and family. Thank you for reminding me that even though at that time it was two years in that I do have friends here in Virginia. And so I say thank you. Thank you. And I hope that you will continue to follow uh, Chats with Chelsea. They're amazing ladies who I will continue to interview over the course of the year. And there'll be some more sessions just like this, where it's just me and you having a conversation. Because I do believe that there's things that God has called me to share. He's been working on my heart. Yet these are the three lessons for today, for this one year anniversary. So listen, I love you all. And be sure, if you haven't already, that you head over to lifewithchelsea.com. Nominate a mom in need. Donate. Uh, the second annual mother-to-be celebration, which is the annual baby shower I host for expected moms and needs, will be taking place in July. You can volunteer. Uh, you can shop our Amazon registry. You can donate cash or new or pre-loved items. Uh, this baby shower is very near and dear to my heart uh, as my mom was a teenage mom. And so I know from her experiences that uh, raising a child with not all, without having all the resources can be tough. So lifewithchelsea.com, help me with that uh, if you can. And again, thank you for joining me today.